are these people? Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? We're back. Hey, everybody. It's Snow Himbo and Indy over here. We're, we're back for another week of nobody wants to work anymore because more people keep losing their jobs. And uh, the corporate media keeps trying to gaslight us into saying nobody wants to work anymore. And we've got an automaker strike. We can even talk a little bit about that. I didn't even talk to you about we could potentially do that. Um, Let's do it. But we talk about all the bullshit that's going on in in the workplace, in trying to look for a job, in leaving a job, in losing a job. And we're going to cover a lot of those things this week. So I'm going to turn over the floor a little bit to my, to my esteemed colleague over here because he's had a hell of a week. Um, if you've been following, so, oh, look at that. We got a little pussy over there. Uh, Stop trying! Oh. Stop trying to eat. Oh, he's all in, she tries to do is oh, eat she, my hand and beard. She's kung fu fighting. Okay. Yeah. Ow, ow. Uh, okay. Okay. If you're not gonna say, can you say hi at least? No, you're just trying it to did. kill me. Okay. It did. You're on the floor. Nice. All right, Killer Kitties. <laughs> okay, so Goddamn. We've got Killer Kitties. Huh. We do. So. Um. Okay. So. God damn, did I have... <laughs> First off, um, I, I'm sure some of you can relate, but, like, uh, as I've mentioned before, I'll be leaving for a new position at the end of this month, so I'll be starting in October. Boom. So I'm in that really fun phase where uh, I've got my two weeks notice in, so, A, um, the quality department can't say shit, and I know that because I've done quality myself, so... I know if anybody's leaving, we just stop. We don't see a point because the point of quality is like, hey, you you fuck this, this, and this up. Um, we're telling you this so you do better, but I'm leaving, so it doesn't matter. Also, quality's usually kind of behind um, week to week. So by the time they find uh, some of the some of the eccentric shit I've been doing at work, uh, I won't be there. So. <laughs> um, you mean like the stuff in the store? Right, oh yeah, oh yeah. Nobody's seen that yet. They're gonna see <laughs> shitting and farting. And uh, I, oh god, I did another one. Um, <laughs> I think I just said clients started making dinosaur noises. Oh my god! Was not sure how to proceed. Um, there was another one. What was it? Uh. I ripped off a funny meme, but I think I put in client has massive chimp energy. Something like that. Um, That's great. But yeah, you, yeah, you, you told me that there was of, a bidding war, right? Uh, there was there was a bit of it initially because, okay, so what I did and what I'd recommend people do whenever you, if you are looking for a new job because you're getting underpaid, which is almost probably completely certain, let's be real. Um, and you get a new offer. What I did personally was I went back to my my company that I'm with now, and I'm like, hey, so just so you know, uh, I did have a company reach out to me um, with a position they're, they wanted uh, to consider me for, and they, you know, they gave an offer. It's insert amount of money here. 
and be like, I really like, you know, the people here. And, you know, I think I think I could bring a lot to the table, especially if there's a position, um, a higher up position that's open for me. Um, but, you know, just due to the cost of living and the fact that I kind of have to support my family as best I can, um, if if you're if this company isn't able to match it, I am going to have to take this. Um, so they had a meeting. They let me know that they were going to be having like, a, you know, a discussion about it. And then eventually, unfortunately, but more fortunately for me, because deep down, I was like, please don't offer me something better. Just because I was like, there's part of me that was like, do you, do you really want to fucking stay here? Do you? Like, if they offered you like 10K a year more, 20K a year more, would would you want to stay here and do this? And my answer is no. So it was kind of like, I don't know. I think part of it was alleviating my conscience because I have a problem with like abandoning people. Um, that's a whole like uh, therapy show we can do though. Dude, that was way too um, nice by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, well, all the shit I've been doing hasn't been nice, but I gave them the courtesy of that. And it was like, you know, they came back and basically said, you know, um, unfortunately, we're not able to match that. And the higher position we we're considering you for, I don't think you would be satisfied with the compensation either. Um, so basically, they had a meeting and they crunched the numbers and I did tell them the amount that the offer was. And, you know, you know how it is. They went to the suits and they were like, hey, so this guy's going to leave. He kicks ass and we want to keep him. But this is the offer. And they probably were just like, yeah, we we can't do that. Um, and to be fair, it is a third-party company, like kind of a BPO. And uh, if you work for a third-party company that has a bunch of clients that basically hires that company to provide labor, um, you're going to be nickel and dimed pretty hard, which is weird because a lot of those third companies, what they do is... They don't pay for your labor directly. They bill your labor to the client. At so a profit. For workers, for... Yep. So they always say like, oh, it's not in the budget. It's not in the budget. I'm like, bro, your clients pay for your company's labor. What do you mean? Like, where's this money going? And to his salary. Going. Right, to that guy's salary. Yeah. Um, but what yeah, I was going to exactly. say was... Was there's also a school of thought that once you give notice, regardless of how much they offer you and what they offer you, you've got to go because they're also counting the clock down to the time that they're going to look to replace you for threatening mm -hmm. to walk out the door to begin with. So that was the other thing I, I wanted to stop you with. But um, but yeah, so so there was a little bit of a bidding war, but they couldn't match. And now you're definitely on your way out. You're getting, you got all your package stuff. Are you getting any time off in between when you're leaving and when you're starting? Can you even afford to do that? I'm guessing you could afford to take a week vacation, but um, there's a lot of well, school of thought for taking a break in between jobs because you're probably going to have to go hard for a little while. You may not get a break or a vacation for a few months. So a lot of people like to clear their heads and start with, with a fresh type of slate there um what what about you honestly for customers the roles customer success specialist and honestly like you know i'm i'm just ready to jump in 
this uh, this job was just a take a job to you know keep us with a roof over our heads. So I'm ready to get back into a challenge. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, I am this new company is kind of cool. They're starting on a Wednesday, and that's because they want they want anyone who's leaving a previous job to have an extra two days off just to kind of chill, relax. So I will, huh. um, I'm taking tomorrow off just because, uh, I've got a wedding to go to, which is kind of cool. Um, but in addition to that, um, my last week at the job, um, I'll be saying goodbye and whatever. And fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Actually, it's all you're cool. Really? The people are great. It's just, you know, it's always the suits up top that we all hate. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be taking the weekend and then I'll have an extra two days. So I'll have four days off before I start the new gig. So really that's almost a week. Um, you know, and I think four days would be, I think that'd be ample just because I'm eager to get back to, you know, when you get laid off, sometimes you got to like get sidetracked from your career and go, you know, just work whatever to make the make the meat ends, as they say. Nobody says that, but I do. Uh, so I'm looking forward to just getting back to it. I'm eager. I'm like, OK, fuck. Yeah, let's let's get back. I got I got ideas. I've got things cooking in my head. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, that four days, uh, four days is going to be good. But yeah, you're spot on. The if you ever if you ever give that company the slightest hint it doesn't even have to be like hey i got another offer or like hey i might give my notice if you even give that company the slightest hint um that you might leave or you might quit um they have a response for that because they have to replace your labor they can't just be without and the awful place the awful thing about this company is that they've had, including myself, four people now quit um, in the span of like a month. So they're hurting bad for labor, um, which sucks. But yeah, be careful with any kind of like power moves when it comes to like, I might leave because, you know, they're not just going to ignore that. They're going to be like, okay, well, we need to have something cooking in case we lose that person, especially if you're someone who has pretty high productivity in general, because it's like they're going to get bogged down the second you dip out. And, so, that, and that segues into also somebody who speaks out a lot and points out that the company is doing wrong can also potentially be at risk, even though that that also is illegal and potentially subject to a lawsuit. Um, you've got a story about that too this week, don't you? <clears throat> oh, I do. Um, so it's kind of ironic because almost a year to this day, um, one second, plug my headphones in. They're dying again. I know I'm the worst. Okay. You're good. Um, so one, um, one year to this day pretty much was when I got laid off. Um, so now my wife got shit canned. Um, and it's, it's quite the story. So 
she basically came in and this was a restaurant setting. She was she's very she's very familiar with hospitality. Um I am myself as well, so we kind of have a lot of talks about that. I uh when I first moved to the big city, the T dot as we call it up here, um the city is Toronto. It's Toronto and Ontario, Canada, in case nobody no, everybody got it, and I'm just over explaining myself for the 50th time. Okay. So my kids um, watch. My kids are like obsessed with the movie Turning Red on Disney Plus. I don't know if you've even heard of this. Crazy, but it's a it's an Asian family in Toronto, so that's why anyone who knows Turning Red, that's where he lives, or near there. Yeah. So when I first went to Toronto, one of my first gigs was. Uh, working as a bartender and that's my dog everybody ah, <laughs> anyway um, yeah and he's gonna go and probably eat some socks nice thanks thanks man um <laughs> okay so okay so she um she she basically came in and um she was pointing out a lot of things that weren't uh weren't really above board uh so to speak when it's you know just regarding like how they were running their business in general um because you know it's like we don't we don't live in the city anymore so it's kind of like it's kind of the wild wild west up here uh in the north especially in cottage country it's kind of like whatever we'll just do a business and we'll like we'll lol about it um, so she ended up getting fired and i i mean i've been i'm sure we've all been shit canned in spectacular ways um And like, <laughs> sorry, do you mind? It just this is all very distracting. I love you though. No, it just it, it, it's it's sorry. Guys, give me one. No, it's all right, dude. We're gonna cut. We're gonna cut this out anyway. It's all good. We're gonna edit it out. Oh, this Thank is so goodness. great. Okay. This okay. So, so um, okay. So basically, TLDR. Um, I'm sure we've all been let go in like really weird ways from our workplace. Um, you know, I got pulled into a meeting and told I was just getting terminated for attitude over back at a fuck it. I will call them out. Uh, Arise. They call themselves Arise Gaming or something right now, but these be fishing labs. Um, and uh, yeah, it, uh, truth be told, I was just basically telling them that what they're doing with independent contractors is not above board and it's funny how they just let you go the second you point out they're not doing uh they're basically exploiting their staff um and you know i'm sure people have been fired over text or ghosted completely or whatever um my wife basically had like she was in a group chat with her employees um and they just kind of talked about stuff and kind of, you know, like mentioned, okay, so, you know, like, this is not, this is kind of weird or like, 
you know, there's there's a bunch of examples. I've actually got them noted here. Uh, but the way she got let go was she was blocked from the group chat. And then the person who was supposed to be giving her schedule each week just stopped responding. So she eventually reached out and got an answer that it's like, oh, they didn't think you were working out. Like, they didn't even give her the courtesy of like, this isn't working out. Um, you are fired. And this place was the worst. It already had a bad reputation and it got new ownership and they were doing, I have notes here. That sounds like Milton at the office. Like, like we, we uh -huh. fixed, like we fixed the glitch. So he just won't be getting a paycheck anymore. So they started, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they started out using like takeout containers for sauces on dine-in plates. And then this is really weird. I still don't even know what to make of this. But they required servers to pay it a pocket for transactions that uh like weren't processed due to Moneris fucking up. They 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 made the servers pay for that. What? Um Okay. Huh. And then another thing too that was really weird, but what was like when my when my wife was getting trained. What she was taking tables, she was like she was serving drinks, like she was she was um she was working. It wasn't training. There was nobody like, and you do this and you do this. There was no shadowing. There wasn't somebody else like doing the stuff. Um, you know, she was taking like full tables. She wasn't getting tips. Yeah, training the is learning learning how to do it as she did it. That was training. Yeah, and she had more experience with it than, like, the owners themselves. And the owners were taking the tips. Oh, come on. So, like, it's like you're literally doing the labor, and you're entitled to the tips from that labor, and they're going to the fucking owners. Like, like I'm sorry, did you go to, like, the opposite of business school? Like, how to crash a business school? Like, what, the, what well, is it's, that? It's how to exploit... You know, restaurant workers, because in this country, it's it's beyond disgraceful. You know, I, I'm not sure if you know, but the minimum wage for restaurant workers in a lot of states is like two dollars and thirteen cents an hour because they work for tips. They yeah. don't they don't and get like normal wages. To be perfectly honest, like I've never, I know the tip thing is like a back and forth thing a lot. Um, I've never agreed with it because I don't think the consumer should be paying your should be helping to contribute for paying your staff. I think it makes, uh, I think it makes staff, um, it almost gives them an excuse to overwork their staff. But in addition to that, um, <clears throat> your boss should be paying you a living wage. The customers should not be paying you a living wage. Um, I've always felt that was completely unfair. Um, <clears throat> your boss should be paying you a living wage. And then on top of that, you should get tips. How Correct. about that? Correct. If someone wants to tip you, great. But if you're living on tips because the base salary for you performing labor all day uh, isn't adequate for you to support yourself, that's kind of a fucking problem. It's less than oh, $100 a week. Yeah. I mean, I mean no, I'm no, sorry. Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolute garbage. It's unbelievable. A 40 hour week, 213 an hour. Do the math. It's 
It's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, this is a great one. I personally love this one. It's uh, one of my favorites. But uh, so, like, scheduling, right? We're used to, you know, like, a somewhat steady schedule. I've, um, I've had the same schedule for ages now. It's just been, you know, the same days per week. Uh, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 has been my shit now. Beforehand, it was Sunday to Thursday, 10 to 7. Um, but it doesn't, like, fluctuate you know, that much from week to week. Um, she, she was get like the staff at her place of work was given less than 24 hours. Um, like being provided with a schedule. So it's just like you have under a day and then there's your fuck anything else you're doing in your entire life. Right. Um, yeah. You're just going to have to move that. You're just going to have to move that. And you have no idea what it's going to be. Uh, nice. Sure. That makes sense. Um, Me was working in a restaurant. Hmm? Definitely a good way to keep your, your best employees is to keep them on edge and not knowing when they're going to work. Yeah, just keep them, like, checking their email every 20 seconds to see if Karen in uh, HR has gotten around to... Uh, gotten around to sending you like an idea of when you're going to be working because your entire other i've always felt that's like i've always felt that's kind of like a power move because it's like okay like tell me you don't give a fuck about your employees lives without telling me you give a you don't give a fuck about your employees lives because you're just like no this is the job and you build your whole life around the job um this is a great one for anybody who's worked in hospitality as well. Um, they didn't track reservations. They didn't. There was no book. Um, they just sent that shit into a group chat because, you know, that's a really good way to track reservations. Is that Slack? Like they're literally slacking it? Okay. Not- sure. Not even. I think it was like a WhatsApp. I'm not 100% sure. But oh it was my like God. A, yeah, but like you can create like, like a, a bot for that stuff that would automatically this or that. And I'm sure they didn't do any of that because they don't have anyone that would really know it. But um, that's kind of funny. Oh Again, you're you're helping with the segues tonight because here's, here's something that we found. Um, and I thought this was appropriate. I would like a thriving wage. Please, sir, thriving wage. I know what you need. You want an extra 10-minute break. Here are the rules. You have to give at least 24 hours notice. You do not have to pick the same day. It cannot be added to your regular breaks. It expires within 30 days, so choose wisely. (laughs) Oh, this is horrifying. This is this is how down bad we are. They have rules for like you taking back ten minutes of your 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 life. Oh that's, my god! That's obviously Stop. somebody's somebody's joke, but that's really funny. Um, so this then is we... this is why the Russian Revolution happened, y'all. Somewhat Lenin saw that, <laughs> and he went from there. So here's, here's, uh, I think you sent me this. Uh. Leave me. Uh. 
Why would you leave me? Why would you leave me? I I watched that a few times. All right. And then uh, we also had this one from Instagram that I found in honor of, of my friend over here. Did you hear the, the thing ringing and vibrating? Like it's a song. Nice. That's great. That's going to uh, be them calling me after, like, they find out about all my last week's shenanigans. Nice. They're going to be like, did, did, you, did you transfer someone to KFC? Because they contacted their lawyer about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I think I had my speakers turned on. So now they're off. Cool. Uh, all right, so that was the Instagram guy. And then... We, of course, had this one, and I think people have seen this one before. Uh, that was after, you were supposed to be the chosen one. I think I think everybody knows where that scene's from. But, of course, you, yeah. you're still coming to work. Unlimited power. That's what I think when I see And this that. is like, there's a lot of these memes going around where it's like, they've been there for a while we all know it's like yeah but it's like hey my legs were cut off but you're still coming to work right hey there's a t-rex eating me um you're still coming to work right <laughs> and all of these kind of like to me at least they showcase the contempt that um that our employers have for us it's like we have a society where the exploitation of the working class is so pronounced that the empathy has to be like trained out of people. We turn you it into can, a joke that it that they just don't give a yeah. fuck so badly that it's a joke. So like you should <laughs> you should care about your workers beyond like okay, is everything running smoothly? Are we are we getting the exploitation? Can they do the thing? You should be caring about them, not just from like a, oh my God, try not to be a fucking sociopath thing. You should be caring about your workers because they're human beings and you're working together on a team. And ultimately, they're the reason you're able to put, I've said this before, food on the table. Okay, the people answering the phones, the people talking to customers, the people upselling that new client on that snazzy new feature that their business probably doesn't want, but you want that business to have that feature because they're going to pay an extra, I don't know, like a hundred bucks a month for it. Totally didn't make that all about a SAS or anything. I did. <laughs> or, or, or driving a forklift like, like somebody I know. Sure. Yeah. Shout, shout out. Shout out to Jesse. So, um, so, um, yeah. I, I know my man is also a Starfield player for those for those who play. I am not, but that's that's an HR set of questions right there. So Riley Chernivsky, Cher, Chernyshevsky. Which which one so are a bit you? Of backstory. Um a bit of backstory for those who haven't uh done this quest. In this quest, you're actually supposed to infiltrate a corporation and 
One cool thing about Starfield and Bethesda games in general is they do kind of meme on um they do kind of meme on our culture like in general in the West. Um for people who played the Fallout series, you know this well from the giant robot Liberty Prime, who's obsessed with destroying communism. Um, to the point where like every dialogue line is like, I detect soil and grass and communism. Um so like they they've always kind of critiqued like our culture. And <clears throat> the cool thing about this is like there's quests where like you infiltrate like a corporation because like uh I think for this one, this guy needed you to like infiltrate a corporation to like make like a drug that they're gonna sell in the market or something like that. So that name up there is fake. He gave you a fake ID or something. Hmm. Um but yeah, there's a lot of what I like is like you have a lot of quests with corporations and it really kind of just points out how absurd uh how absurd this whole thing is. And I like how they even have it in Starfield because in a couple occasions you actually do have to apply for a job and like write up job applications. And uh you also have you also have like uh like an interview where you can completely just trash it. And just give answers like, "Yeah, I'm just here for the money. I don't really care. Um, I'll be I'll be glad if I last a month or something like that." So, sexy um, indifference in Starfield. Yep, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so this is these are the HR questions. What would you list as your greatest strength, Riley? So I just I thought that was really funny um, that they're even HRing you in in the game. And then you send me this one this week. What does competitive salary even mean? Well, as we know, it means that your salary will be competing against your bills. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> That's great. And again, like, I'd like to encourage people, again, like, don't be afraid to ask them how they calculate competitive salary. Okay? If they less list competitive salary on a job like posting that's something they're listing and stating in the job posting they should be able to back it up a lot of them won't be able to they'll just be like i, I i've had one where it's like we can't uh speak to internal processes or something like that. it's something some goofy shit like that right but well, what exactly you know what? is a competitive day, salary what's a competitive salary if they can't tell you what competitive is and well you tell us what competitive is no 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 that's not how competitive salary works right yep and don't be afraid to look up that too because i've done that as well where i i'll um they'll say competitive salary and i'll look at the position and then i'll go to a bunch of sites like uh you can look at it in uh, Glassdoor and a bunch of other sites. You can find those salaries. Um, you can also just Google average salary, type in that position, and then type in your location. And there will be sites that list like, okay, this is the average salary. And then so if you have something in mind, when you're interviewing, you ask what the salary is. Um, don't be afraid to ask like, okay, well, I do have receipts for this, but I do see that the wages, um, the me the median wages for this position is this much. So I'm just curious because the salary I'm seeing here is considerably lower. Um, what what uh what do you use to gauge your salary? And you can even be a little more aggressive and say, so if this is the uh, average compensation for this position, 
Um, I'm just curious how this would be considered a competitive wage. Mm -hmm. Put it back in their court and say, like, you know what? Hey, motherfucker, a bunch of these companies over here are paying way more than you are, and you're saying it's competitive salary. Um, you know? Yeah. So why would you put that? And if you look at a lot of job postings, that's also why a lot of companies don't put that. Because for however many competitive salary uh, things you have, you don't notice it because we're going through so many of these. But um, try and take a mental note of how many uh, companies are now not listing that. That's because, at least I think, they can't back it up. They know yeah. they're looking for cheap labor. They want a nickel and dime you. Um, my, com my company that I'm leaving now is a perfect example. <clears throat> I pushed back and said, hey, guys, you know, like, um, you're paying, like, at least ten to 15000 under what's, like, the normal compensation for this position. Um, but I did notice in this job posting it was competitive salary. Um, and the funny thing was, like, and I'll speak to this a little, they were like, they were like, thank you for the feedback. We do appreciate it. I'll make sure to pass that along. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not feedback. This isn't, um, this isn't feedback. This is, I'm expecting you to actually like do something with the information I've just given you. Right. Yeah. So you sent me this one too. About. Kind of the, the bosses owning themselves. Scientific American. Uh, how much have we seen about remote work and now they've been trying to push this bullshit narrative that remote work isn't as efficient. There's so many more things you can gain by coming back into the office. They're trying to pull everybody back into the office. You can watch our previous episodes about return to work and return to the office. And some of the reasons behind it, <clears throat> largely, we believe it's because of the amount of available and open and empty vacant commercial real estate that these companies are paying for, which is expensive as hell. All the deaths, all the, everything that goes with that. But, um, I lost my train of thought for a second. Uh, oh, working remotely can have an employee's carbon footprint. Hey, how about that? Oh shit. Well, so, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Cause of course, Corporates uh, all all about uh, all about the well. I can't say all about the climate. They're all about pretending to be all about the climate. ESG. So I don't know what they're going to do with this. Yep. It seems like they're kind of they got two narratives that are fighting each other. Which I I got to admit I'm enjoying seeing because there's a lot of it nowadays where you just see two dueling narratives where you're just like, hey, wait a minute, doesn't this mean you guys are just massive fucking hypocrites? And well, the no. answer's always. They're shifting yes. you from own nothing and dr driving first electric cars to then driving no cars and having either Uber or a bus or some kind of a mass public transit system, which is probably 15 to 20 years plus away. That could be a much more efficient people mover, keep our roads much clearer, be safer for everybody, but it wouldn't be as convenient. And I think that people discount the driving culture in this country tremendously mm -hmm. and the desire for the convenience, especially those with, with young children, when it comes to having everything at your disposal, 
a vehicle is practically a mini house for your kids. We we literally have like a porta potty in our in our minivan. We we're a minivan family and wipes and all this other stuff that on top of car seats and boosters that most Uber slash driving services are not equipped with or will charge you extra. So every time I want to drive because I have a kid, I have to pay that. It's insane. They still haven't figured that part out. They'll figure it out eventually, I'm guessing. But, you know, I think that that is part of the overall plan is yelling about carbon footprint, making you come into the office, but not necessarily making you drive into the office, which is actually going to control more of your time towards work because you're going to have to now spend more time potentially commuting. Um, yeah. And you know what? Um, <clears throat> my take's always been that, like, I think part of the disdain against driving is it's a massive form of freedom. You can just get in your car. You can go anywhere. Um, you can leave a situation. You can flee from a situation. And feeling like you're stuck in this contained space, um, I think, is a lot more beneficial for uh, the rich and powerful because they, they can keep tabs on you much more easily. Also, it makes it a lot harder for you to leave whatever shitty job you're being exploited in because you're stuck in this little space so you don't have the luxury of being able to work from home and just pick and choose who you work for um and you also don't have the luxury in their supposed future world of uh of just going and working you know for somewhere across uh across the city or driving an extra 20 minutes for a better gig um i think the freedom aspect is what uh what's a little overlooked in this uh, little equation here as well. You've also made it very expensive to uproot your entire life and move now. I mean, it is such a dislocation and expense, honestly. Oh, um, my God. Just to be able to I pack mean, up your own how house. Many... <laughs> also, uh, how many people can afford, like, first and last just, like, like on, on a dime, right? Like... I mean, if you actually wanted to move, I know more people than I can count. And it's funny. It's funny because, like, you'll always hear this from uh, from capitalism enjoyers, um, also known as propagandized people, who are just like, well, if you love Cuba so much, or if you love Norway so much, or, like, if you love China so much, why don't you move there? And I always felt the simplest clapback is just like, I can't afford to. Because of capitalism, I can't. I can't afford the plane ticket. I can't afford to uproot my life and go find somewhere else. I can't even afford first and last. And for the majority of people I know, they can't afford first and last. They need some time. If they want to move, they got to squirrel away some funds month to month until they built up first and last. Mm -hmm. Like last two moves i've done it's been building up first and last you can't just be like oh i got first and last and here we go and we can probably do a whole show on the shit show that is renting these days but um you know it's not like it's not like you can pack up and move these days it's you're literally like you're literally finance locked and i've been a homeowner now you know we we, we bought a house 10 years ago we're on a mortgage 
we've already refinanced once when the more when the market was was low, but now you're buying houses at seven percent mortgage rate at an exorbitant housing cost rate. Chris Breden Circuses at INN did a whole tweet thread about in his market in Colorado what three hundred K is buying and it's it's next to nothing. It's and most people don't even have three hundred K to mortgage out over thirty years at seven percent. Uh Mm -hmm. Man, it's and that is part of that overall agenda 2030, which is that housing costs become exorbitantly high and everybody is desperate for to find housing. Be part of own nothing and be happy. I still don't understand the be happy part, but I guess they'll they'll explain that at some point. Right. Um, in the in the meantime, you'll be happy because you'll be happy because like. I think the be happy part is basically you'll be happy because we're going to make you all so poor and miserable and sad and desperate that like you'll be thanking us for like a pod with a bunk bed. You won't be tethered I to the, the you won't be tethered to the monthly payments it really cuz you know Jesse kind of teased in Apple Model 3 slave collar kind of what what that's going to be like I think pretty accurately. You know, if the, it'll it'll yeah. it'll shock you out your sleep and give you your booster every seventh week, and you'll be able to to disable the the ad. And maybe you can disable the ads if you've got the money to do so. But what's the craziest thing you've ever done for money? And this is a I love this. This is it's a funny so Reddit post because well, I allowed a company to drug test me so I could be punished for what I do in my own personal time. Then I signed a handbook with pages and pages and pages of arbitrary rules about trivial things like dress code. And I agreed to their mandates about when, where, and how I must do my work while continually operating under a, we can fire you at any time for any reason, top-down dictatorship. For shitty pay and crappy benefits, and you need to thank us for the privilege of being here. Welcome to Working 2023. I hate it here. Yeah. Oh my god. And that's what I've never gotten. That's what I've never gotten. Sorry, slight aside. That's what I've never gotten about our society in general. We all right. talk about dictatorships, how much we hate dictatorships. I've probably said this before, but I don't give a fuck. I might actually say it every episode just until it clicks Boy. for everybody. But um <clears throat> we all talk about how we hate dictatorships. If you see any uh you know, any any average uh, capitalism enjoyers talking about how much um, insert communist country here was a dictatorship. It's like, okay, well, we you wake up and go to a dictatorship every day. It's work. You have no say. They mm -hmm. can they can throw you away at a whim without like for basically any reason. You have to help them prepare for your labor leaving with a two weeks notice shit, which I'm, I'm really helping them prepare. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, it's, um, I completely forgot what I was talking about. Anyway, let's go to this. All right. So the next one we've got here was, um, oh my God, you sent me this on link from LinkedIn. I was like, Jesus. This is, this is also an indicative yeah. of where we are in 2023. 
All right, this We're this so asshole NBA. Today, one of my employees asked for a raise because he'll become a father. Now, I can't believe this was a real person, but I guess it is a public post, so I'm not really doxing him. But, dude, Anvir, I fired him instantly on the spot because it's simple. Do you raise capital when your business is failing? Having a kid is business failing. Do you expand and hire new employees when you're at a loss? Having a kid is now at a loss. After working for me for so many years, he didn't learn which one is an asset and which one is a liability. If you're earning twenty-seven thousand taka per month, you should be at the very you should at the very least inform your boss on your family planning. Wait, what? I hired you for work, not to provide seed funds for your seed. What? What do you think the work is? Your salary is a clear indication of your contribution to society. If it is so low, how can you even think about reproduction? You're simply compounding. You're too poor to have children. That's what this asshole is saying. Welcome to India 2023. I think he's which is exactly, Which is exactly why I'm suspicious of the whole, like, a lot of people think there's, like, some kind of depopulation agenda, and I'm not saying there isn't um i the psychopaths who control the world i will put nothing past them um but realistically i just don't even think it's needed because everybody's so fucking broke that they can't afford to have kids you don't just need make it too expensive to live yeah yeah and like we're not even making enough kids to like replace ourselves anyway. You don't need a depopulation agenda. Just keep things going the way they're going, and nobody's going to be able to afford to have kids. Everybody's just going to die off. You don't need a you don't need an agenda. That's just life. Welcome welcome to life in in twenty twenty three, the year of our Lord. Oh, Jesse um, Jesse would be yeah. mad if I didn't throw in a plug for depop culture, which is twenty twenty three. Off of mm -hmm. everyone who disagrees with you is an extremist. About deep cup culture, so definitely pick that up off jessejet.bandcamp.com. Shout out Jesse. Again. Pick up everything. Pick up everything off Jesse. Jet. All the things That's Jesse. Kinda... Yeah. Okay. So we get to the Brad portion. Um. All right. So here's our interview availability. All right. We're giving you this. Please confirm if it works for you. And is is this from the um the the same role from the, from the dude with the the gaslighting your wife into coming back to you, or is this a different thing? Oh no, this is a different thing. So for a little bit of context, this guy's been sent. This Miles guy has been sending me um like weird. Do you want to interview posts like twice a week? Um, for the last like couple months. Hey now, did I just dox you? It. Oh no, there's your cell. Is that your cell phone number there? Shit. God damn it. All right, we'll have to take that out. Okay, damn it. that's all right. right. We need to keep going. I don't want to do that. Okay. So, just make it a clean cut. No, I I can just stick it in there and blur it. But okay, uh, okay, stinky. Uh, well, but I actually, send you we're, that other yeah, okay we're gonna have another okay stinky in a second. So hold on, it, it, this is gonna mess me up in a second. I'll have to crop this. Oh, there we go. Good, good. That worked. Uh, take All that right. out, copy, and then minimize that and put it over 
here because that's going to go with this story here. Okay. So after this asshole, all right, thanks, Tanvir. Don't treat your people like that. You don't know what the fuck you, well, I'm not going to say that. You're just, you're just a heartless asshole. Um, and people should not have to worry about their salary when it comes to having children, although that's what they want us to have to, to do in today's world. So, and to people who think like, well, maybe it's a parody post guys. I go to LinkedIn. I see bullshit like this every day, every day. And they're definitely not parodies because you have tons of people being like, yes, King, we gotta, we gotta like hustle. You, you've got to like spend all your time trying to like make it in this, in this, completely backward system we've cooked up you can't Hashtag have time for family culture. or anything yeah you can't have time for family or anything that affords you even like a slight modicum of joy you need to do everything you can to not be a loser like it's we live in the most spiritually devoid culture i think in the history of mankind no wonder atheism took off fuck um, not hating i'm an agnostic so this is, this is part of your, your another story that you were telling me this week. Quality support yeah. specialist with WCG. And got him. Great. Let's call the section got him. Because we find out that, of course, our buddy Brad here gets rejected for this role. And like a good neighbor state farm is there and he responds and asks thanks so much for getting back to me and i'm sorry this wasn't such a great match as i'm looking to constantly improve my application interview skills and increase the frequency of offers i'm given this is totally written by chat gpt i'd really appreciate some feedback from the team on what i can improve if you could be so kind i it'd be a huge help if you or the hiring team would be able to provide me with some additional insight or given my qualifications and experience obviously you were Good for the role. Thanks so much, and I hope to hear from you soon. And you got a response, so and you got a response that now. Now it's funny because you sent it at ten twenty-seven a.m. You got a response. Oh, sorry, that wasn't the response. Where's the response? Ah, I didn't open it's it. Right okay, there. okay. Thank you for your email. Right, and and at twelve fifty-eight. So literally two hours later, they're at lunch. Basically, it was. Our applicant tracking system, due to a technical system error, sent this out. Sorry. This wasn't done intentionally. But unfortunately, we don't have any feedback to share due to this recruitment being some time ago. Okay, Stinky. So look out for that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I have no, I also, I'm starting a new position. So I'm extra no give a fuck. But. Oh, here it is. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Here's the email, which was, we sincerely value our candidate experience, and we're looking at rectifying the system issue. Please keep an eye out for future opportunities. Sure, I will. Okay, Stinky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely never going to think of this company again for working. But, yeah, just my point for this is, like, be on the lookout for that, too. Because sometimes these applicant tracking systems just fuck up. Um, sometimes mm. you get a rejection and it's like, it's nothing. It's nothing other than just this whole process is so backwards nowadays that 
<clears throat> like there's so little like actual consideration or like human investigation put into it that you can be told like sorry you weren't a great fit for this and then you press them and you're like why and they're like oh sorry we just fucked up because of our ats like they totally they totally like give the game up right off the bat so i guess y'all don't uh don't take those rejections too harsh because there's a really good chance there isn't human viewing that and going like oh that person's not good enough it's usually just like they're looking at numbers or someone fucks something up and you get that rejection and if you look at last week's episode if you watch i think it was last week or it might have been the week before we covered a woman who found a new gig in seven weeks after submitting over 400 applications and she listed a couple of resources which will be in the description of resume ai helpers that will help you structure your resume customized to the role and also that will help you get through the ats systems and help you with um, cover letters so definitely check those out um the other thing of course was please don't form a union right that's capitalist be like that was brad sending that earlier this month and then the other thing i wanted to mention one thing that happened to me this week I found a job. I went back to stillhiring.today, which is one of my favorite websites. I've talked about that on an earlier episode. It's a big pivot table of all the current roles that are available. And I filtered down and found that there was a role that I've seen before, or there was a company that said there was roles available. I go to their HR site. Like, wow, this is cool. Senior um, customer success account executive. Someone working with existing accounts, seven-figure accounts, growing them, trying to figure out how we could expand, you know, how the company could further expand and and potential additional partnerships. Like, wow, that sounds really cool and like what I do. So I submitted an application. And uh, well, actually, first, what I did was I saw in the online application that, let me switch here so you can see this. What I had seen in the on online application was that who the hiring manager is or who the HR recruiter was for the company, as well as who the direct report was for the position. So the first thing that I did was I connected with the person that I would, that, that is direct report, that that role will be direct reporting to and connected with the person, the director or the person that, that oversees that position um, and sent them a little note, personalized it, said, hey, we're in the same industry. And it wasn't that you have a role available or anything like that. It was more like what Himbo's been talking about with sexy indifference, which was just, hey, we know we know some people in common, and it seems like we should probably connect because we're in the same industry and see how that goes. While simultaneously, I also reached out to the HR recruiter on LinkedIn and did specifically mention, hey, you have a role open and here's my resume. I think it could be a good fit. Here's two or three reasons why. And I'm going to go to your website now and submit the application. So I go to the website yeah. and submit the application. And when I hit submit, it says, oh, sorry. Um, we have on file that you submitted this on August 7th. And if you're a good fit, that we'll get back to you. 
And then I look in my email and I realize that from my sheet, they had sent me a rejection letter on August 10th. So I guess I wasn't a good fit, but the role is still open. Now it's possible that they oh just haven't God. pulled it down. It's possible that they're in the, they're in the process of recruiting or they're in the process of interviewing for it already, but it's just weird. And we'll see. I'll let you guys know next week. If anyone gets back to me on that. Um, and again, just a little note there. The reason for all of these like weird recruiting things that are happening is very simple. Companies don't want to pay the labor costs to have enough people working in HR and working in recruitment um, to be able to actually have this process make sense. That's <clears throat> that's all reason for the automated tracking system to begin with. It's because they don't want to pay the labor for human beings to review every single resume they have coming in. They don't want to pay human beings to do all the legwork to actually properly vet and get the best talent they can. Um, they want one person and as many shortcuts as possible because at the end of the day, less paying your labor results in more profits. Yep. So. Yep. Kind of why we're seeing all this. It's because they've got, like every other aspect of their company, they're trying to nickel and dime everybody as best they can. And we've gotten to a point in recruitment where it's like, I mean, we're having we're having coaching sessions. I had to have a coaching session on like how to game the automated tracking system. Because we've gotten to the point where just, it's like, if you don't get past this like this firewall of like gatekeepers yes like, it's a digital yeah, gatekeeper that that has already evaluated gatekeeper. what your worth is without ever talking to you looking at you based upon the piece of paper that has your work history and if that's not really written to the way that they want to look at things and i'll tell you i sent my resume to somebody and they said you know i'm looking at your resume i don't really see what you tell me when you describe what you do and what your capabilities are, I don't see that translated on your resume. And that's not necessarily my fault. Uh, it is because I need to fix that. But at the same time, tell me what I need to fucking write. Tell me the buttons I need to push. I know what to do. It's just give me the words, you know? So it's not just that. It's just, it's not even... It doesn't even make sense. It's not even efficient. You're not going to get your best talent this way when you just have like a robot that's looking for certain keywords. That's, I mean, maybe we can get better with that when we've got, you know, the AI and we've got like chat GPT fully going with this. But the way you've got it with these tracking systems now, they're just, they're just keyword crawlers. They're just looking for keywords. And I'm sorry, there is no universe where you can get your best talent just looking for specific words, especially if like you've got the other conundrum of like, okay, well, I want to make a resume that stands out from all the other resumes. And so you might have a rock star in your hands who just kind of wrote a resume the way they wanted to, or they had different keywords than what your tracking system is looking for. And so they're never given a shot at at least a screening conversation. Completely disqualified before they even have a chance. Yep. Yep. Because of this weird 
weird system that doesn't even make sense unless you look at it from the angle of, well, it does make sense if you want a handy tool that prevents you from having to pay people the labor necessary to actually, like, run this part of company work effectively. It finds people that... at the end of the day... Yeah, I was going to say, it it finds people that work well on paper. But you know that a business isn't really run on paper, it's run by people. And that's, it's not really looking for the people or looking at what they do, who they are, of course. It's looking specifically at that piece of paper. But uh, I wanted to move to this thing. You know, we talk a lot about sales resumes. Um, but I've also been noticing lately, I've, also, I've been doing a lot of graphic design work and video editing as running INN and... I've been talking about putting together some kind of a portfolio for the work that I do here um, for editing the shows, for making trailers, for making thumbnails and other graphics that go all over logos for people. So I still have not put together a, an effective design portfolio that showcases and captures if I wanted to get a, or apply for an HR for a design graphic design role, I don't really have a resume or a portfolio that most places would be looking for that kind of shows what it is I have done and can do and the style that I can deliver in. So I thought it might be fun to go through some of these. Uh, HubSpot, of course, is one of the biggest marketing, digital marketing companies in the world now. They are really cool. I mean, they figure out how to really drive people and get into their heads psychologically and deliver content that is relevant and engaging and a lot of listicles and things that can spur discussion and thought. So they talked about and they scoured and they published this a couple of weeks ago, which was the 23 best graphic design portfolios we've ever seen and how to of course, start your own. So I'm like, huh, that's pretty interesting because I've been looking to do something like that. So some of the things that it contains they give you a, a download kit for content creation templates. What is one and what does, why does it need, what does a graphic designer need a portfolio? This is kind of perfect because I was just talking about this. Have you done, you've done some graphic design work. I know you, you designed a, what you, an intro for Angel for Angel in the Afternoon recently. So that would be something that I could see going into a portfolio for you. Right? Um, yeah, I've actually got a, uh, I've got a portfolio for like digital media in general. Um, my my bread and butter is probably video editing, uh, After Effects, uh, VFX, shit like that. But uh, yeah, you know what? Like, my graphic design skills have literally just come from like 
it started with memes a long time ago mm -hmm. and i'm just like you know what um i'm just gonna get good at like manipulating imagery because i'll need a logo here or i need to like edit a thing here um and i would like to give a shout out to my own um if you're looking for a solid like like graphic design tool and you don't want to go the adobe like subscription sell your soul route um look at pixlr p-i-x-l-r mm -hmm. um it's free it's got a couple minimal ads you have it on your phone um you can have it you can just go to the website pixlr.com um and it's it's a really powerful uh graphic design tool i've done a lot of good work on it um all of my thumbnails for the content I do on my Snow Himbo channel, um, all the thumbnails for the videos I do in Pixlr, it's completely free. It's great. Um, there's a bit of limitations, like you can only do, I think, a number of like graphic design things and download them per day. Um, but you know, if you're smart, um, you can figure out a way around that, considering it's an image on your screen. And without giving it away, there's ways to capture that image on your screen. <laughs> so figure it out, y'all. Well, there's also Canva, where there's a free version of Canva, yeah. C-A-N-V-A. I-N-N, and I've yeah, used a, a paid version of Canva. It's only the 10 bucks a month, I think, for the first, for the first <laughs> user and $5 a month if you have a team. So I've actually created Greg and... Reef, for example, we've made an INN Canva, so a couple of us, and INN itself has a Canva account as well as me. So we yeah. we use that for graphic design. What they're saying here, though, is that most portfolios today are graphic designer websites. So it's not just a portfolio. It actually is interactive so that you can showcase the video. Not a way, not only a way to connect with clients, they can help you build communities, share your work with potential fans, right? Um, your portfolio is much more than proving you know how to use Photoshop, logos, typography, print design, web design. Yes. And all those things, right? Some of the other things that it could include, right? Branding identity. So I helped Angel with his Angel in the Afternoon, the new logo and a background and video background and giving him a whole new theme for his show. And I've done this for several shows and for several content creators. I mean, and providing them with skills on how to help with Substack and all kinds of things. There's so many skills that I'm not capturing right now that need to be. So they give you a list here and, and, these are the names of the folks that are shown. And each one of them, you're going to see. So Jessica, this is pretty cool, takes eye-catching imagery. This comes, this portfolio from a designer who's been named one of AdAge's top 10 visual creatives. So good-looking thing. Why we love it? Because her, world, her approach is bright, graphic, and complex. So the... I I like this article because this does inspire you look wise, feel wise. Maybe there's an element incorporated into one of their portfolios that you really like. Here's someone who's really using YouTube 
to showcase their their design and they put it into a video which i probably shouldn't have audio with but they can show turning concrete jungles and how what they do in designing spaces design in the indaba all right um you've got heather so a book a samples of a book and website designs good for designers working many different media but want to prevent pre present a cohesive portfolio which is kind of what i would like to probably end up doing this is just showing as a graphic designer my guess is that this is like a detail page underneath a menu and or it could just be that these are the different sections and the different kinds of designs that she wants to showcase super clear easy to navigate wide range of skills visually consistent but using text to effectively explain each project and to encourage further engagement so i like that one i think that's pretty cool that could potentially be a way to categorize and start with a rabbit hole type of funnel that starts with here's what i can do with graphic design here's what we can do with video editing here's what we can do with newsletter creation and social media and use those boxes as categories first to then drill down and showcase items that have been created for each of those that that could work. I'm like trying to figure out how to how to make this thing. And once we have it made, who knows where it goes? And maybe I end up with a whole new career and I'm done being an account executive and I start doing video editing, graphic design, and brand consulting for content creators, which I do a lot right now, but I do a lot of it for free. If somebody wants to pay me, hey, I'm certainly available and um happy to do that. I really enjoy it. Get them on. Right. And so, for people in general, <clears throat> I've um just to just to shed some light on, you know, the whole job thing as well. Um, you know, if you're a jack of all trades or you've got a bunch of other things that you're doing and you're just searching for that one role or that one part of you that uh can make money doing a thing, uh you know don't don't be afraid to think about brand branching out or even like you know considering a new career yeah i've uh i've i've career hopped sorry my ear is really itchy <laughs> um i've career hopped like three times in my life and i'm not talking like you know i went from <laughs> sorry i was gonna burp um, I'm not talking about like one, you know, whatever job to another, whatever job I'm talking about, like, you know, I, uh, I was a video editor and a, um, basically a filmmaker, uh, and a digital media sort of guy. And, you know, I jumped to, you know, more tech oriented work, more like development work. And then I jumped to the world of CX and uh, I fell in love with that. So we all have a lot of tools in our toolbox. Don't be afraid to like think about going in another direction because um, 
you know, something that was once a hobby of mine actually turned into a full-blown career. Um, so, so, yeah. So this is Mike's website. Um, when you're a design beginner creating your first graphic design portfolio, you quickly learn the importance of editing, right? For example, a logo for your first year graphic design class might have been your best work then. <clears throat> and it shows that you know how to use Illustrator or other design. But five years later, you have to ask, does that logo belong in a professional portfolio? So this is like, you know, you have to call and cut and <clears throat> make decisions over what's the best and what should you actually include. This one stands out because he's finding a way to include samples of design from the 90s to today, which could actually show the growth and his kind of evolution over time that he was starting with these basic boring bold numbers but he's starting to overlay some imagery with some graphics and starting to make the image the, the text bolder and easier to see and you can definitely see a growth and a progression over time there which is pretty cool um mohammed so go through these uh this is for this one's pretty interesting she collects bottle caps. So in this one, her work is smart and timeless. Each piece shows her dedication. And I'll bet each one of these is probably like a link to a thing as you mouse over them, which would make sense. Right. Yeah, honestly. And collecting bottle caps, I mean, given the way like we're kind of sleepwalking in World War Three, that's not a bad uh if you've played Fallout. Uh that's not a bad strategy. That might be a, a reliable form of currency in the future. We never know. Now, look at this. This is a site called Dribble that hosts this portfolio. Now, who knows if this is going to be around for long. That's one of the problems with using one of these third-party hosted portfolio type of sites is they could get acquired, their technology could change, and then you're left scrambling versus building your own site that you have control over the look and feel. Uh, here's Stefan Sagmeister, a legend in the design world, right? The power of the designer, a grid of images with text that appears as you scroll over each image with a click, you're presented with images and or videos that show the details of each project, which makes sense, right? Why this is one of the best design we've seen it doesn't even show the quality and technical ability. It gives any client working with them a sense of what the design process might be like. And that the, the answers section is full of advice, no matter who you are. So that's, that's really good. So this is also one where they have an answers section. It's like an FAQ. Latte Niemannen. Okay, I don't, I don't get what the flat box is. A skincare brand for the modern color, whatever. What, what they can do, all right? Simple work to the point. Oh, wow, that's pretty funky looking. So these are some of the examples of some of the 3D animation that they've done, animated billboards, all right? How do you use this creative form for your business? So this site helps figure out why that would be a selling point. The, the thing is with all these sites though, you've got to drive people to them. You've got to get people interested enough and intrigued enough to want to go there to, mm -hmm. to capture that traffic. Here's you, you, Sophia Yeshi, 
All right, she has a major brands are using her illustrative voice to speak for their brands. So that's pretty interesting. What's her portfolio? It's clear design, a clear header, tile design. Right, gives you an idea. You're going to get that cartoon, cartoony look and feel with people of all colors. I think you're going to 70s kind of throwbacky, very artsy focus on people. I, th I think that's a good. Yeah, she's good, and she's big. You know, big corporate are hiring her to help. This is pretty cool. I like. I like this. This look. Like this, I'm yeah, guessing would. Cool. Yeah, Ansel Adams. Intense work, focus, practice, care. I I equate this kind of more to like an iPhone type of ad. Even though it's a little busier with the dots behind it, it's making pretty good use of white space and telling the person where to focus their eye. So I like that one too. These are these are really cool. So I'm gonna drop this in the links and description. You'll be able to just to, to mess with this. Go look at this. Tell me what tell us what you think in the description. These are some other Ryan. This designer style heavily influenced by music. That's cool. With the peace sign for Mercedes and Patagonia. Very nice, very nice. Awesome. So again, there are 23 of them. Look at that. This one designed for RuPaul Drag Race. And what are these? LOLs. Oh, Chocolat de Francais. Oh, very nice. Well, that's cool. Air Nippon Airways. I like I like how that's kind of like the Barbie Dreamhouse look right now. That that's that's hot. The dollhouse look. So you have a website for your design work now, you said you, you built something out like that or how do you... uh, not a website. No, um, I've got, I've got a YouTube link that I keep private that um, I haven't used in a long time, hmm. but in one interview, <clears throat> I had this guy ask um, if I had any like, like video editing work so i kind of dusted it off but back when i was looking for video editing jobs digital media jobs um you know for that kind of stuff it really pays to have a demo reel also um even if you're looking to get into graphic design i mean if you want to take up video editing and kind of just smash some cool stuff together as well uh for graphic design specifically have some like sped up kind of videos of you like actually creating something those look really cool too mm. like you know when you see those videos where it's like someone's drawing something and they speed it up and you just see them like doing it really quick um that's a really cool thing to have too because you know like images are great but uh having something really super flashy that'll kind of stand out a bit might help uh a lot as well um yeah, and show and show a beginning and end process that's a really good idea uh, this is their yeah. kind of six-step how to make a graphic design portfolio, which is curate your best work, show a wide breadth of skill, choose the right platform to showcase it, include a professional case study or client rec 
Greco's integrate your personality, describe the creative process and show non-client work or side projects. Um, those are all really good. And then they give you more detail about each of those six things. And here are some ideas on what you could do to incorporate your design portfolio. Right. And then there's design portfolio tips. I mean, this is, this is just a wealth of resources. So by all means, and then on top of it, they give you 150 plus content creation templates. If you just give them your info and HubSpot, then they'll message you to no end and track you, the shit out of you. They're really good at stalking. I, I will say they're an excellent company when it comes to marketing, but not necessarily stalking. It's really to learn about how to best serve you the right content that you're going to want to read and see and continue to, to keep. Um, okay. That's, that's a, that's a, you'll be happy part guys. Right. Right. Give us your info and you'll be happy. Call back. Um, so one other thing happened this week was that I wrote a new article for my Substack just in the last day or so, because I noticed that there was some new functionality that Substack had created. And I have a channel called Indies Tech Tips. I'm a big fan of Substack. I'm a big fan of content creation in general and using different platforms to do that. And INN, we created a profile for INN a while back and we've never posted there. We've just used it to pretty much stalk people and look up other people's portfolios and pretty much for this show so that we could showcase stuff without doxing me personally. But I figure this would be a good place to potentially put this. So I found this new tool and I wrote it up because I hadn't even seen Substack themselves talk about this yet, which pretty interesting, but now we can turn an article or at least a chunk of text from one of the articles that we publish, make a short video that reads the, the, the text. It's like text to speech AI with a little video that shows the text itself and moves as the, as it speaks. So I made one of these, I put it into a Substack article. Here's what it looks like, and it's 27 seconds. So we'll play this and then I'll show you the how-to below where you can go and do this yourself if you have a Substack. It hurts to see Substack give a boost to the creators who need it the least, celebrating their presence here and using them for their fame, which was generated using corporate-sponsored TV slash radio slash newspapers, which are partially responsible for the polarized discourse throughout much of the political world and corporate media also was the driver behind why many of the smaller, independent publishers moved to Substack in the first place. So what that was was an excerpt from an article that I had written called Not You Too Substack. And it's a way to generate some interest, to create a 30-second video to put out to Instagram, to Twitter, to Facebook, to YouTube as a short even and try to drive people back to read the full article a little bit of a what your appetite tastes so how do we do this well 
First, I wrote the article about turning your Substack article into a video with text-to-speech. Right? Attaches my 30-second creation you saw with AI voiceover, generated in just minutes, giving a post <clears throat> new life and opportunity. But funny enough, you can't share it to, sub to Substack notes because they don't handle video yet. I shout out and I kind of throw throw a little bit of shade to the to the heads of Substack about that, but. They're amazing. The tool, the people, the building in public. They launched a new mobile app yesterday. If you haven't downloaded the newest version of the Substack app, do it. It's beautiful. It really, it, it's a serious upgrade from the last one if you had it. I, I would call it a home run. Well, actually a triple because uh, as I'm scrolling the news feed, there was a little subscribe button that my finger happened to touch and I subscribed to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's newsletter without meaning to, and I then had to go and unsubscribe from it, which took an extra few seconds. No big deal. Other than that, home run, really smooth, really smooth and does nice. But, and one of the things that the developers also launched recently was improved assistance in sharing the other social media notes. And I don't know if you'd seen this. You, I know Hembo have a Substack, but when you go to share from the dashboard, and I'm going to show you how, there's a new window that that they have that helps you share to more places. So buried in it, but also buried within this new sharing screen that may have slipped past you, the developers also added this stealthy little functionality that can generate a transcript video with an AI or even your own voice, and here's how to make your own. So the first thing is, is when you're in the Substack dashboard, you get a list of all the posts that you've written and the statistics about them and a little, a little three dot hamburger menu, three dot menu, which you have to click. And then you go down to share post. And when you click on share post, it then opens up what they call the share center. This is a new web page that's only for content creators that have published a post. It automatically shows after you hit publish, but you can also get back to it from a couple different places in the dashboard. And from here, it gives you easy clicks to share to all these different social media sites, including notes. Gives you a preview of what it should look like. I think that's what the Facebook post would look like. But then if you scroll down, the bottom half of it also gives you some really cool stuff. In the middle of the share, the share center page is a beta section called shareable video. I was like, huh, I saw that the other day. I'd never seen it before. What the hell is this? And then underneath, there's also shareable images where they provide you four different look and feels in three different sizes. So square, four by five, and nine by 16. These are static images that have the title and the subtitle of the article. It also can be a background of the main photo of your article. Pretty cool. But we're going to talk about the shareable video stuff. So the first thing was I click on this create button, this, this white create button, and it takes me to back to the article and says, okay, select a chunk of text, not a jank yogurt, but a chunk of text to share as a video. So I do that and I selected, I then go to my article, I selected and highlighted a block of text. And then you'll see this little button above that highlighted block and it says use this text and voila, it will generate a text-to-speech read by an AI voice. And 
then it's processing. Once it's done, you can then change the voice. You can edit the quote that's being highlighted. You can change the background. And they show you kind of what it's going to look like. And you can preview it and download it. You can also change the background and download the next one. Pretty cool. And did I mention that this is all for the low, low price of free? Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yes, this is free. So this is available right now. Uh, yeah. You can go to this this step-by-step -step instruction site on uh, IndieMedia.today, IndieMediaToday.substack.com. Share, share, share. What can you do with such a video? Put it everywhere. Everywhere except TikTok because you need, I believe, a vertical format for TikTok. But anywhere that you can put a, share, a, a square video, do. Do it. But not to notes yep. yet, because sadly, the irony, this will probably make the heads of Substack cringe, because sadly, as of this moment, I can't post that video to notes, <laughs> which is a Substack created social media solution. Um, video is really nice. I'll give them a ton <clears throat> of credit. It's the video embedded at the top. The only thing they'll need to work out is that if you forget that the video is processing and you leave this, this page for the share center mm -hmm. while it's processing, you lose everything that you did and, and you have to start over. It doesn't save anything. Yeah. Right. And also that it does not include the H1 to H6 tags. So if you've got header tags, it then won't show the select this text button when you highlight it. It's only when you highlight body text. They'll fix all that. I'm sure they will. This is still in beta form. And then here's the article. Yeah. So you can actually read the full article that I wrote about Substack going shit libby and promoting former mainstream media content creators over independence that built it. And I'm apoplectic about that. Of course. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple links to follow I and mean, share. So what do you think? I mean, so, <clears throat> so one cool thing about Substack is um, I'm sure as many of you have heard, um, Elon the brilliant Elon Musk is um is kind of floating the idea of making the bird app uh literally just subscription like everybody has to pay for it so if you're not part of the people who's going to pay for Twitter I'm not uh frankly I'm not going to pay for a platform that still hasn't dealt with issues like mass reporting where I lose you know dozens of my comrades every day for issues i don't know what they violated or, or much you know or b just dealing with a, a million and one fucking op accounts and bots and who knows what else um you know if you're looking for an alternative that isn't like a complete echo chamber you can view my videos for my takes on them um you know substack notes is pretty good it's got everything that twitter got pretty much it Still needs some work here and there, but uh, you know, if you're uh, if you're looking to kind of just get your shit posting out there, or you know, have kind of the same format as Twitter, it it does a job, and I think it needs more love because I feel like it it's more polite. Have, you know, people there's more to be polite, more polite. It's you said it's more like everybody's on their best behavior in high school. You know, um, yeah, I, I do get but that feeling. Like, there. Mm -hmm. But it's like the cool thing too is that like I feel like that's because it's also tied to the articles and tied to like the the content creation part of it. And I feel like that 
that allows people to create a more holistic um, image of themselves as opposed to, you know, it, with a lot of people you see like, they kind of have a different persona on different platforms. Like their Instagram is different from their Twitter and their Twitter is different from like their Facebook or whatever, if they're over 50. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, like it's, it, it's just a more, it, it keeps everything together. Um, I'm not more polite on Substack. I'll, I'll give it that, but uh, it, it seems like I am because I'm not dealing with a million bad faith, weirdos every fucking day well you know what it is i think i think a lot of the people there actually do make their own content and they're proud of their mm -hmm. work and they don't want you to go to their page and crap on them so they're a little bit more timid and willing to be respectful because it's more like mutually assured destruction in a way that mm -hmm. we all are here and trying to do the best that we can and everybody kind of understands that in a way that there's many more shit posters on Twitter that aren't here to do the best they can. And they're not, and they're just literally here to be wreckers and to be co-intel ops. And we're starting to see a little bit of that yep. on Substack notes. Not quite as much, but I I hope that they can figure out that balance and keep you know, I'm just worried that Substack becomes too much of a cool kids club that it separates the haves from the have-nots, just like corporate media, which was what it started out to become the opposite of. And what we're seeing now where the Robert Reichs and the Matthew Iglesias and Nate Silvers, Nate Silvers showing up and getting elevated and celebrated by the heads of Substack because they have a somewhat perceived large audience that may or may not be paying but is giving visibility to the platform itself i don't know if it's necessarily helping the platform's reputation but that's my own personal um, opinion and there seems to be a small but growing group of loyal dedicated sub stackers that have published that i might even call us the thousand plus club that have published over a thousand posts in the time that we've been at Substack. So we have some experience when it comes to creating here, when it comes to reading statistics, when it comes to perceiving what everybody else is doing out there based on what we've made ourselves. And I feel like certain times there are certain people and leadership at Substack that it tends to fall on deaf ears, though they'll give it lip service and act like they're listening. It's a data point that they take in, but they never really respond to it. It's, it's a little frustrating. Shout out, by the way, to Mills Baker, who is well, fantastic. He's like the only one that really responds on a consistent basis. Well, devil's advocate here. <clears throat> They could be just in that phase where they're like, we just need to grab, we just need to bring more people over to this platform by any means necessary, because it definitely isn't, it isn't popping off in the way that we need it to pop off. If like, say, you know, Twitter does go like pay to win completely. And it's like, you got to pay a sub fee for that. Cause I'm sorry. If, if Twitter goes the monthly sub fee route, it's done. 
Yep. You can have your opinions about that. I personally think, you know, maybe this was the whole point. Twitter's one of the last bastions of like non echo chambered exchange of, you know, ideas. And, uh, you know, even though there's a shitload of ops and trolls and bots and all that, you visibility kind of have filtering it just all together. Visibility filtering, newsfeed manipulation, of uh, 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 yeah. shadow banning, disappearing of accounts mm-hmm. on a regular basis. We see all of these things. But yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not an echo chamber where you're gonna show up and you're gonna expect to have a bunch of fucking opinions, and they better be the right opinions. Otherwise, you're just not part of the club. And that's what I've seen across the board with every single alternative, especially with Blue Sky. I mean, go on Blue Sky and give like a softball critique of like anything related to Big Pharma. Watch what happens. Um, Go on, go on Truth and give a softball like, you know, uh, maybe we should kind of, you know, take care of each other a little bit more. You'll. You'll you'll get called Joseph Stalin in about five seconds. My point is, it's one of the few places where, like, if you have a strong stance on something, you can still get into a huge argument with people online. And I think that's important. You can you can still meet a lot of people who disagree with what you're putting forward. And I'm not seeing this on pretty much any of the Twitter alternatives. Um, we thought Mastodon was going to be great. Mastodon turned into just another, you know, DNC echo chamber. Uh, Blue Sky is exactly the same. Uh, I still don't know what to make of Gab. Uh, it scares me. I don't ever want to go back. I regret <laughs> That's the skinhead social network, isn't it? I think that's what Gab has been kind of classified as at this point. That is literally... Kind of no rules it's whatsoever. Like, it's it's like gardening tips and and Nazi shit all day it's long. Quite yep. odd. So it's quite <laughs> odd. And then and then Tribble Tribble is just like Tribble is interesting because if you ever want to know who's like the uh, the Hitler of the month, so to speak, um, as I think Matt Taibbi, I think he coined that. But just basically like the new like bad person that the establishment is marked as like the devil. Just go to Tribble because you'll just see like a whole feed of the same name over and over and over again. Um, That's great. That's it's, creepy. It, it's at least useful for that. But my point is like. Yeah, there's nothing really like it. I, I just I just wish that have. if Substack just added DMs and the ability to do video, it could literally replace mm-hmm. Twitter tomorrow. That and and the yep. the groups also. I mean, I I think that there's, well, it's DM thread group threads. Some people love it, some people hate it. I it is my lifeblood because without it, the algorithm just doesn't show my stuff to anybody. And the only way that anything ever gets pushed out is if I send it into a DM thread to thirty, forty, fifty, sixty people then they'll share it out and then people around them share it out. And that seems to be the only effective way to get this out. And that's why Elon decided to put a limit for non-blue checks of 500 or whatever DMs per day per 24-hour period. So I've figured out the way around that is to create a backup alt account 
for also doing DMs and putting that second account into all your DM threads, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. Giving away my secret and there. Also, <clears throat> and also not for nothing, but um, Substat makes a lot of sense in this regard. Um, you've got notes for short form, and then you've got Substack for long form. So if you got Oops. just a quick take, you go to notes. If you want to, like, give, like, you know, the tea on some shit, if you really feel like you want to write about something, you can also just use Substack, like, wholesale. And I think that combination of both things is really cool. Um, I think they just need to flesh it out and integrate those things. They need to integrate those two things better. The one yep. thing that bothers me about Substack is you have to go to like a whole different like section. Section, yeah. They like, have to work on their interface like, uh, between yeah. creator, between creator and reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to go to a whole different section for the article shit, and then you got to go back to notes, and it's like they just need to combine that so it's all like uh, much more cohesive than it is. But I think. I think if we can get it going. And, well, for, uh, for example, this is this is like the pro, the profile for INN. So if you look here are this is kind of what you're talking about. Here are the notes and here are the posts. Right. Here are all the notes that I've restacked. Now, it does not have the ones that I replied to. It's only the original notes that I've published or that INN in this case has published, as well as here are the substacks that INN is subscribed to and reads you can link to the portfolios and then we also have my personal one but that's at indie media today that's uh so if i go to here indie change this media today you'll see a lot more stuff in there right because i have i published the four newsletters all the articles I've written, by the way, the one that you just saw is right there. So you can go to substack.com slash at Indie Media today, and you can get right to this article also that will be in the description of tonight's show. And then you get to my notes that I've published where I asked specifically, anyone else caught this, shared it? I think that I am literally the first person on Substack at all, on Substack Notes, to even mention or write anything about this new functionality and tool. I didn't see Substack even write about it. Funny enough. I think I scooped them. So there's a bunch of great stuff. Look out in the future very soon. We'll be working on the Indie Media Awards updated for 2023. We published a list last year. Just give this a shout out since we're on Substack notes that... Um, I did observe the lack of public recognition for all these journalists, outlets, and streamers. And here's the winners, the honorees for 2022. And we're going to be publishing an in addition to list. This is not in replacement of. These are all still outstanding outlets and content creators. And now we've got a revision and an update to this with the class of 2023 that will be added and published soon. We're also going to add a new category for video editing because... That in itself is a talent and skill that needs to be showcased from independence. So be on the lookout for that. We're working on that for early October for published date. And I'll do a live stream introducing some of the, all the new honorees and why they're being included. Um, 
But yeah, I, I love Substack notes. Here's one where I repurposed content. It started out that I was inspired by this guy. And again, let's let's give Jesse a little bit more love today. But this guy, I like I'll Seth. Seth is a email marketing expert, and he helps bands sell albums, interestingly enough. He's a music guy. So he does email marketing for Grammy Award winners. And he publishes a newsletter about publishing newsletters and about email marketing and about the value of email marketing. So I found him on notes a couple of weeks ago, and he wrote an article recently about make your fans feel something. And he, he asked in there, when's the last time an artist made you feel something? And I'm like, oh, well, let me intrude. And let me introduce you to Jesse Jett. He'll make you feel something for sure. And here's a link to his band camp. So Seth wants to know what's the, but what's the story? Well, oh boy. And I have a whopper to tell. He's written and recorded over eight hours of original songs and spoken word the last three years. Absolute lyrical, poetic genius, professional delivery, professional level delivery. The best talent you've never heard of yet. I want to scream it from everywhere, but that would be a little weird. Here's a couple posts where I've shared his work. So this one was from about a couple months ago. At Home with the Kissingers was a signal, a single that we had released from May 23rd from, from The Greatest Hits. And I just love the thumbnail with Kissinger sitting in his easy chair. And then this one was yeah, Conviction, Winter, and Belmarsh. He wrote this is a spoken word piece that I convinced him to publish as a poem and he and I got his permission to publish here as a poem. So if you click here, it's actually a link to the Substack article. You can listen to it on Spotify as well as for free on Bandcamp, but also you can read all of the words published again through Substack as a poem, which is kick ass as well as the links and hashtags and free Julian Assange. God almighty free Julian Assange. Then I, in full disclosure, told everyone that I host his show every Tuesday night on INN called American Tradition, which is a show that we call we created to feature his work, give him a regular outlet, share new pieces that he works on and releases. Last episode, we debuted The Dust of Better Days, and here's a link to listen to that on YouTube. And then finally, when he releases a new album, and he's done that three times in the past 15 months, which is insane, and there'll be one coming up soon. He's about to record a new one. He's Got it all written up. We'll do a listening party on American tradition, and then he'll add further context to each piece before and after. And I'm just honored to be a co-pilot, man. It's it's a great love to to do that show. We did one last week, and man, I I feel inadequate that I can't get more people into and understanding the brilliance of this guy. But we keep working. We keep working. Mm-hmm. So that was the listening party for everyone who disagrees with you as an extremist. This was on, you know, he released it on Christmas Eve. You can go to INN Substack and you can find the listening party from back in December. The link to download the album, to listen to it on Spotify. It's all embedded. It's all right there on our Substack for <laughs> INN. So, all right, man. Um, yeah, we're hitting it. We're, we're at an hour 45. That's good. And, um, 
this isn't quite the UAW story and, and the the Amazon labor thing we did last week. It's a little lighter this week, but uh, I really enjoyed talking about, you know, graphic design templates about what happened with your wife, which sucks. So she's back out looking for a job. So everyone's going to be telling her that nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. Then, um, I did. I did want to give a, since I did like did a call out, uh, my wife did want to give some quick shout outs uh, to people who might be tuning in that actually new <laughs> listeners. So she wanted to give a shout out to Caitlin, Declan and Mike and the other chefs. Uh, she wanted to note that all the servers are amazing. Uh, Maria, Georgia and Michelle are also super awesome. So it wasn't like usual. It wasn't the workers that were the problem. It was the owners uh, who were named Shanti and Jojo, who were dog shit. And if anybody uh, wanted to visit um, Symposium in Georgia, Georgina, sorry, not Georgia, <laughs> um, don't, because it's shitty. And they're doing labor board violation across the board. And uh, not to note as well, they're not really properly like refrigerating their desserts, apparently. So that's a little weird as well. Don't eat the uh, pudding. Yeah. Oh, gross. Okay. And on that note, um, I would say that this has been a fun one and we will be back. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So this is going to run on Sunday night. That will be on the 25th, I guess. So next week, how do we miss that? It's going to be back. Yeah, the 20th. So how do we miss that? It's going to be back 24th um, for October 1st. <laughs> we took the month of September off. So as it so happens, Bread and Circuses is going to be going back on hiatus. So it seems like we're going to be moving back to the Thursday night time slot, which works pretty well. And um, mm -hmm. So look out for us on <clears throat> Thursday nights starting October 4th, I think it's going to end up being. So we're not going to be able to record on Thursday nights. We'll have to record on Tuesday night, which is fine. Although when we do Jesse's show, we'll have to do it Monday nights and or Wednesday night so that we can produce it, publish it, and have it ready for Thursday with a thumbnail and description. So we will see you again on October 4th. Stay tuned next Sunday night for How Do We Miss That? Check out INN on Twitter at Get Indie News. And I, as I say every Sunday night, to keep questioning everyone's motivations, everyone. And have a good night. Nobody wants to work anymore, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Right. Indie News Network, collaborative family of independent content creators, co-hosted only by me, Indy. I'm founder and editor of Indie Left News and Indie Media Today. I got Reef Freeland sitting next to me. At Indie News. It's Andrew Rivera on the Handsome Cynic. It's politics and survival. Uh, my name is Jesse Jett. It's American tradition. Stop Space Monkeys. Welcome to Political Fight Club. I'm Robert Durden. I mean, I mostly make Art Brian and... Big Man Crab Joe. Keep up those great videos. Hey guys, it's Yeti. Uh, coming at you. Hello, my name is Lucy from Big Moon Red Wine. This is Chris Legion. <laughs>
fight that good fight out there, guys. I'll talk to you later. Who are these people?